on my knees just so much. Paula, like the pleasure I would crawl across the New Jersey turnpike. She makes my tail begin to wag and nothing on earth. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Oscar Watch Podcast, the podcast where we look back at past Best Picture winners for your reconsideration. I am your host, Stephen Buja, and I am decent. I also happen to be naked. And joining me, as always, the one, the only, the Amy Thomason. Amy, how are you doing today? A little sad because of the recent passing of one of the greatest American playwrights ever. Yes, and that brings us to today. Neil Simon passed away a couple weeks ago at the age of 91 due to complications arising from pneumonia and Alzheimer's. He, as you say, is one of the greatest American playwrights. I think he has a theater named after him here up on Broadway. Notable for notable works include Prisoner of Second Avenue, The Odd Couple, a handful of other things that I feel as though never get the recognition they deserve, despite being from such one of the great masters of the craft. Yet a theater major undoubtedly is probably like is like kind of like a quasi boyfriend or something to you. You got like Mike Nichols, Peter it's O'Toole. Not, it's I, like Neil is like Neil Simon, like the uncle that you like really uncle, respect. Yeah, or? he's more like an uncle. He's he's not a boyfriend, but he. Mm. I've loved his stuff since I was young, since I was about fourteen years old. I remember watching the movie Brighton Beach Memoirs, and I loved it, and it was so funny. And then I read more, and my first paid theater gig was I was the assistant stage manager for a production of Lost in Yonkers at the Brown County Playhouse in Indiana. Wow. So that's just a really... That feels like an oxymoron. I know, especially when you're an assistant stage manager. But just a lot of really special memories. And as I got older, I, I watched and read more of his plays. And what I think people need to realize is that when you hear that it's a comedy, it's not a comedy like slapsticky you have to ham it up comedy it's very very human and i think that's what makes his plays so enduring and many of them on broadway were directed by a boyfriend of mine mr mike nichols okay there we go it all comes (laughs) yes neil simon also wrote several screenplays many uh many adaptations of his stage work however we are focusing on one in particular today, which was not a stage show, at least originally. And frankly, I'm surprised by that because this I can totally see this working on stage for your percent. Yeah, for your reconsideration. 1977 Best Picture nominee, The Goodbye Girl, directed by Herbert Ross, written by Neil Simon, starring Richard Dreyfus, Marsha Mason, Marsha Mason, and Quinn Cummings. A film I had never seen before. It's uh, It had the unfortunate luck to come out in 1977, which was a good year for movies, but also featured one of the all-time greatest comedies to ever, uh, ever exist, and that's Annie Hall, which would win Best Picture that year. So it kind of got shuffled. Uh, we have a uh, kind of got shuffled side. We have a There Will Be Blood, No Country for Old Men situation where yeah it's kind of like new york and new yorky romances but there's one that everyone remembers more it's new york very new york very jewish and marcia mason who was married to neil simon yes 
Yes, we'll talk a little bit more about her. So uh, what is your experience with this movie? I had only seen it one time before. Okay. And I liked it. I found it charming. It was, they made it into a Broadway musical. And I remember my friend seeing it a hundred years ago when it was on Broadway and she thought it was really funny. But watching this again, I was like, why do I not watch this movie more often? And it was one of those, like, I could see this very easily earning a spot on the Amy Thomas and Top 100 and scooting out some of the more questionable films on that list. Yeah. Because uh, this is a really good movie. Yeah. Watching this now, I, I think when I, this will have to be in the, in the mix, the giant mix of movies I have to assemble the Stephen Buja top 100 out of, because I, like, I could see this, I could see this being a contender, contender for that. It's uh, frightfully funny, very well acted, and very relatable in a way most movies just aren't. I know, I just, and, I just, a lot of, and in a lot of different ways too. Yes. Because it's marketed as a romance, but what makes it great is it's, it's really about a, couple of different ideas and they're all really well done in a very subtle and very realistic way yes kind of knew what he was doing when he was writing he's uh he has a good way with words it's this feels it, like i could you picture i picture neil simon and our, and our boy patty chayefsky like just hanging out in a coffee shop and it's like the most fascinating thing. They're just talking about what they're writing on writing, and it's amazing. I'm like, I'm a, I would love to have to be a, to be a fly on the wall of that conversation because they were both in New York at the same time. You're like, oh, did you know each other? Please, God, tell and me. And that as a young man, I'm going to totally go off on Neil Simon for a minute. He worked on the show Your Show of Shows way back in the day. Other writers on that show were Mel Brooks. Woody Allen, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. we're not talking, I mean, these were people who were these young, scrappy up-and-comers who became masters of their craft. Yeah. Giants in the field. Well, for those of you who don't know what the Goodbye Girl is all about, it is after being dumped by her live-in boyfriend, an unemployed dancer and her 10-year-old daughter are reluctantly forced to live with a struggling off-Broadway actor, uh, which you know, I'm, I'm reading that IMDb synopsis and going, yeah, that's that 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 glances the surface of what this movie is about. But as you say, it is it is more than that. The laughs never stop coming, really, and uh, there's a lot of there's a lot a lot of human qualities to be found, and indeed, I think. Some of the most genuine romance I have seen in a movie in a long time. It just feels great. But the Goodbye Girl did win something at the, uh, the at the Oscars the year it was nominated. It lost a bunch of things too. And we are going to take a short break. And when we come back, we will discuss all of that. And I didn't prepare anything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second, am I here? Yes, okay. First, uh, I will embarrass Ray Stark by saying that I owe him everything. And he is a great man. 
to Herb Ross, who is the only true gentleman I've ever known in my life, to Herb, Marsha, and Neil, and Quinn. <laughs> I could go on and on and on, and I don't want to leave. Can I rent this now? <laughs> Thank you very much. We have not returned to the 50th Academy Awards in quite some time. Annie Hall, that year's Best Picture winner, was the focus of our very third episode of this show, back with former, former co-host Alex Riviello. I enjoyed that episode. I enjoyed that movie still. You should go listen to that. Maybe not right now, but after this, <laughs> go hear our thoughts. Amy, quickly, Annie Hall thoughts. Oh. What are they? Don't want to get into the whole thing, but I just like, how do you feel about it? I love it. It's not my favorite. It's slightly second place to Hannah and her sisters, which is my, and literally in my top 10, hands down. Yes. So much of that movie. There's something about Woody Allen, and it sounds weird to say, but he gets me, man. Like, there's so many movies where I'm like, thank you. That's how I feel. He said it, and he said it well. But it's more groundbreaking. He tried different kinds of things, and I think that's why it edged towards Best Picture over the other nominees. I think so, too. It certainly certainly the style, the style it was, him, him addressing the camera and everything about it. And it was he basically subtitles. pieced that movie to. Yeah, he pieced that movie together from a much larger picture called Anadonia, which is uh, impressive in, in and of itself. It's uh, great. Go check it out. Uh, I know Woody Allen is uh, not the best person, but uh, I mean, Annie Hall's. It's, it's, a, it's a good movie. It's a good movie. It's a good movie. Good. But uh, The Goodbye Girl was nominated for Best Picture. It lost to Annie Hall. It did win one, though. What was it? Best actor for Richard Dreyfus, who was Richard having Dreyfus. the decade of decades in the 70s. Yes, he was in American Graffiti. He was in Jaws. He was in Close Encounters. It's basically one, two, three, just all in a row, uh, which is a hell of a run. And for then he anybody. won an Oscar. So. And, then he, and then he won an Oscar. This was, in fact, his uh, first win. Uh, first nomination, he uh, didn't would never win again. He would only be nominated once, one more time. And that was in 1995 for Mr. Holland's Opus, fabulous movie. But that was that was a fact that sort of struck me as just odd. Like Richard Dreyfus, like surely, surely he has been nominated more times. No, just twice. But all those Marcia movies, May hmm? all those yes. movies in the 70s were also all nominated for Best Picture, I believe. Yes. Uh, let's see. American Graffiti, Jaws, Close. No, Close Encounters was not nominated for okay. Best Picture. It was nominated for Best Director. It's been a bunch of okay, sorry, bunch of important I ones. Cut you not... off on your thing, but I'm no, like, no, 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 but no. But they all want to, were nominated. And yes, this. they were all. And this, and this, and this, and this, he wins. And uh, at the time, he was the youngest man to ever win Best Actor at the ripe old age of 30. Which, side note, really. He got some city miles on him, cause damn, Richard Dreyfus, you're not you. You look like you. You look like you're in your fifties in this in this movie. I don't know, maybe it's makeup, but whatever. Uh, that was and it was a title he would hold for twenty five years until Adrian Brody beat him for like a month when he won for the pianist in two thousand two. So uh, interesting. What I, what I do find interesting. Um, is uh, the film was also nominated for uh, Best Actress, 
for Marsha Mason, who lost to Diane Keaton, which is which is one of those tragedies. Like, you, you're making me choose. Diane Keaton is iconic, as you say, the the fashion, despite it only being in one and scene, etc. And it was written for and, her. Yeah. Her real name is her real name is Diane Hall. Yeah. Side note. Yeah, that's that makes. Kind of makes kind of makes more sense. Uh, Quinn Cummings uh, was nominated, but she lost to Vanessa Redgrave for the Best Picture nominated Holocaust drama Julia. Which does anyone remember that movie? Which Do you remember I've that movie? I've been able to sit through. Really, is I, it boring or just like really tough? It's just did not capture my interest. I was like, eh, because oh. I. It's sort of about the Holocaust, but it, it's that part's way, way, way in the background. Okay, it's one of those. And there's all this one of those like because it supposedly was based on a true story, but it didn't really ever happen. And right. It's more about the but, resistance to the Nazis. Ooh, yay! yay. Which is a surefire way to get love. you to be nominated. We do, we do love, we do fight Nazis. We do, we do love that. And finally, uh, it was also nominated for best original screenplay. But lost, obviously, to Annie Hall, which, uh, which is tough. That's it is tough. Of all the years, have your romantic comedy gross over a hundred million dollars. First, first one to ever do that, and also be nominated for best picture. Ah, uh, Woody Allen comes out and delivers one of the greatest films of all time. Son of a bitch. Yes. Hate it. Very much. Yes. Marsha Mason, who I will admit, I never heard of. What? Never heard of it. I no. I just I don't oh, name nothing. She was actually she's actually been nominated more times than Richard Dreyfuss. Yeah, four nominations, three times because her husband Neil Simon wrote the films. Uh, Goodbye Girl, this one, Chapter Two, and Only When I Laugh. Films never heard of. She was nominated for Best Actress for them. Uh, she has been in a lot of television uh, as of as of late career. I'm so I sorry. Uh, I'm sorry, Marsha Mason. You were. You're fantastic in this, but I... I, I keep forgetting, for you haven't actually, like, read Neil Simon's memoirs. I have an actual hardcover copy autographed by Neil Simon of his memoirs, so... That's Would you how like I to just host this episode? <laughs> should, I, should I just take a step back? You have no, a notes and you just no, ask no, me no. questions, we'll figure it out? I'm okay. Just, I'm just saying that. I just... I do. I just love Neil Simon. And I really yes. was legit sad when I found out he died. Yeah, it was... Hell of a heck of a run. Ninety-one years old. Uh, Neil Simon. Uh, he was not. He was nominated for this. He was nominated four times uh, over the course of his career. Not. Not that many. He's more of a. He's more of a playwright, and he's been nominated for one. God knows how many companies. So many. Uh, he was nominated for The Odd Couple, The Sunshine Boys, The Goodbye Girl, and California Suite. He never won, although his uh, films did lead to uh, many. Many. Actors being nominated and winning. I believe George Burns made his comeback on the Sunshine Boys and won Best Supporting Actor just several years before the Goodbye Girl and obviously Richard Dreyfus And Dame Maggie oh, Smith for California Suite. And Dame Maggie Smith? Jesus Christ, she's been, she's been at it for a while. Woof! Indeed. And, fun, and also, fun fact, the director of this movie also directed this year's Best Picture nominated... The Turning Point, uh, which I think is about sk skating. Is it about skating, dancing, something? Ballet. My ballet. And sure, ballet. Think about a great year for actresses. In The Turning Point, you had Shirley MacLaine and Anne Bancroft. 
which are are definitely i honestly are two actresses i definitely confuse with one another i'm I'm terrible i'm terrible today i'm a very i'm a i'm a obnoxious white guy i'm sorry i'm sorry but uh uh so i know i know i know herbert ross would be he would be yeah so he would be nominated for he would be nominated for Best Director for The Turning Point, a film which picked up 11 nominations and walked away with nothing, a record that I think is either was either beaten by The Color Purple or maybe tied by The Color Purple. Anyways, it's one of the, it's one of the few double-digit nominees to walk away with zero. And the, uh, American Hustle. And American Hustle, yes. Uh, he also, uh, Herbert Ross and Neil Simon got along very well, directed a lot of, uh, films with Neil Simon, but I have to say, Herbert Ross did also direct the classic 80s dance movie, Footloose, which, big fan of, love it, and Steel Magnolias, who doesn't love Steel Magnolias? Oh, oh, another good one. He knows how to direct people, man, and get great performances. Yeah, when you when when you don't need a big epic David Lean esque things, you need somebody in the house just talking. Call Herbert Ross; he's quite good, quite good at that. Yes. And uh, and and of course, we've well, we've talked about let's see, the Turning Point, Julia, Annie Hall, Goodbye Girl, and there's one other film that was nominated for Best Picture that year, and that was of course Star Wars, which. I don't even think we need to have an episode on it. If we did, have, we we did ever have an episode on it, I would literally not watch the movie because I don't have to. I can quote it by this point <laughs> in my in my time. And uh, you know, if the thoughts are on that, it, you know, Star Wars getting nominated sort of changed. It literally changed Hollywood. And its, its impact cannot be uh, rest enough about what happened. But. Before then, we had films like Annie Hall and The Goodbye Girl being nominated for Best Picture, and what a time to be alive in the 70s, and when we come back from this break, we are going to talk The Goodbye Girl. That tops a lease in your pocket. Look, I don't want to get legal, you know? Legal happens to be on my side. Now, I happen to have a lawyer acquaintance downtown. Now, all I got to do is call this lawyer acquaintance of mine. Whoa, whoa, what? An actor. Another goddamn actor. I happen to have a lawyer acquaintance. Right out a streetcar named Desire. Stanley Kowalski and Summer Stock, right? Wrong. Chicago in the dead of winter. Three and a half months at the Drury Lane Theater. Ask an actor a question, he gives you his credits. You want to hear the reviews Elliot Garfield brings to Kowalski dimensions that even Brando had not investigated? Terrific! You write beautifully. Aren't you a little short to play Stanley? Nobody noticed I stood on the poker table. What are you, a critic? No, no, I love actors. As long as they stay up on the stage where they belong. But you put them down in real life and the whole world gets screwed up. Well, I have had enough. I am not getting kicked out of the same lousy apartment twice. You want your money back? Go to Naples. You want this apartment? You buy me two tickets to California. I will give you two minutes to think it over before I yell rape. Jesus, you are really something. You know that? Really? I'm surprised Tony didn't take a job in the Philippines. I hope you're thinking because I am counting. Will you wait a second? Just hold it. Will you just hold, hold, hold it? Can we make a deal? What kind of deal? I don't know. I just got here. <laughs> Can I have a cup of coffee? No. Oh, don't be bashful. Just say what's on your mind. Okay. 
I know the situation. Just let me say it out loud, all right? I mean, I don't really believe this myself. Number one, I have a job off Broadway, but I have no place to sleep tonight. Number two, you don't have any money, but you got my apartment. Also, you have a daughter to think about. I am thinking of her right now. Do me the courtesy of hearing me out, please. You are not the only one who can scream rape, you know? <laughs> we are both in a bind, the two of us. And I think the only practical solution is that we share the apartment. I accept. What? I accept. I may be stubborn, but I'm not stupid. Mean it? I have a daughter who goes to school, and I have to start looking for a job. You have a key. I would have to stand guard all day long to keep you out. I accept. You win. Get your bags. You get the small bedroom. My first reaction to seeing the Goodbye Girls. The credits are rolling. Everything's ending very well and happy. Then I text you and go, Amy, why can't every movie be this well-written? Seriously, Hitchcock says the only thing you need for a good movie is the script of the script of the script. And I, it's hard-pressed to find a better script than this one. And obviously they did, and it was Annie Hall, and I get that. But just watching this movie and seeing that it is literally only people interacting with one another that's about it. It's, they're in like one space, essentially, the entire time. I am amazed at the power of words and of actors' ability to say those words in such a way that is funny and vulnerable and uh, memorable all at the same time. We could go through a list of our favorite lines, and I think it would literally really? be the entire script. It would be the whole thing. Are there some? Are there? Are there any that stand out as particularly clever that you just that you want to use in everyday life for uh, from here? I have my texts that I sent you with the quotes that I texted you out. Okay. So, well, so what are they? What are they? If you were a Broadway musical, people would be humming your face. So romantic. That is Shakespeare, Shakespeare. That is the most romantic thing I have ever heard. Ever. Ever. And you are a theater major, and you, that, that is exactly how to get you going. That, oh, very much so. Um, when uh, Richard Dreyfuss is burning the incense... And her daughter's like, it smells like strawberries. She's like, that's not strawberries, honey. It's incense. What's incense? It's how I'm feeling right now. Yes. And then <laughs> at the beginning when he gets there and he's like, oh, um, I don't think you know this, but I have this lawyer acquaintance. And he's going on and on about his lawyer acquaintance. And you just see her looking around like, I know this. I know where this is from. She's like, you're an actor. That's yes. right out of Streetcar Named Desire. That bit. I had to pause it because I started laughing yeah. because it's so good. It's so, so funny. It's so funny. And the way Dreyfus and Mason play off one another, it's, it's Chayefsky-esque. It's like you're watching the West Wing and with Donna and, and all of them just like just throwing lines back and forth. Are they having a, are they having a conversation? Yes. But they're also trying to be so effing smart and witty about it 
but you don't care because what they're saying is is wonderful and you just you just watch this and you don't notice that this is an absurd situation they're in because they make it work you don't it you don't care that the kid quinn cummings L- lucy is one of those precocious know-it-alls i fucking hate in the movies because i hate know-it-all children because they're the worst and they are annoying but the lines she has and the relationship she has with marcia mason is perfect and you you stop you stop noticing you stop noticing all of the all of details you stop noticing that this movie is like it's almost overwritten to the point where like i am just going to let this let this wash over me and i don't i don't even care anymore uh it's it's um it's magical okay so richard dreyfus plays elliot garfield a uh Longtime theater actor from Chicago who comes to New York for his New York debut off Broadway to play Richard III. He's very, uh, I guess we'll call him very Dreyfusian because he is sort of brash, a bit of a jerk, which I'm told Richard Dreyfus is sort of brash and a bit of a jerk. And in Aaron Sorkin movies, in Aaron Sorkin movies. And in Aaron Sorkin movies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the American he, president. He works, uh, this kind of dialogue, this kind of fast dialogue works well for... It really does. Uh, r- really works well for, for Dreyfus. And we've often talked about how, like, why are, why do the women like these pushy, just like, jerk dudes? And I'm wondering, did you, when you, when you, when you meet, when you meet Elliot, do you like him? When you first meet him in the rain, are you are you are you on his side? I am because he's in the rain and that's his apartment. My feelings in the movie kind of went like I think she goes through the biggest transformation in the movie. But from her perspective with what she has just been through, with literally walking home and this guy just moved away and she was planning on living with him and now he's like in Italy and he leaves that note. Oh. You can see why she's like, I've had it. I've had it. I've had it with charming men who know all the right things to say and who will end up ruining my life. You totally get that because the movie is paced so well Mm -hmm. that you totally get why she's like, I can't even freaking deal with this. And when she finds out and she knows he's an actor and that that's normally the kind of guy that she goes for. And she's like, oh, no, not another actor. And because he's weird and strange. But what I did like is that he didn't take her guff. He gave it right back to her. Yeah. I, uh, I... And I thought that that was cool. You know, I love banter in a movie. Banter for me is what makes a couple and what makes a movie memorable. And... I like that this movie has that. It doesn't need anything else. It's just as as bright and as fast talking as these characters are, they're still completely human and it makes sense for these characters to be talking that way. Cuz he is an actor. So yeah. he overact it seems over dramatic. It seems yeah, that's how his character would be. Yeah. And not, about the banter, not only it's 
there is a there there's a constantly shifting power dynamic between them. Like who has a power? For instance, Richard Dreyfus, he kind of Elliot has the has the power to be against because he has the he has the legal authority to be there. Like there's a sub sublease agreement here. She's kind of squatting, etc. Despite possession being nine tenths of law, I've always wondered what the other tenth was, and they kind of sort of answered that. <laughs> but what I, what I like about it is that he is he's brash. He's but he's not chauvinistic about it he could easily be so like just gross and just like awful to her but he's yeah he's not a dick he's not he's not a he's not he's kind of he's he's very he's a bit he's a little arrogant but he's not trying he's like as you as you say he's he's been he's received guff and he's throwing that right back because he does he, he literally does have legal standing here and whether it was with he had to deal with an unruly man or an unruly woman, he's going to deal with it how he deals with it, which is fast talking, smooth talking, and just being his his charming self. And it's and it's it's nice to see the uh, a, a male male and female characters approaching each other as as much equals as possible without the male character just demeaning the woman as a woman in this in this case because a lot of the times. You you will fall into where he's trying to save this person. She's you know, or he's looking down on her as some flighty flighty damsel. And he's like, no, I'm not going to. I'm not going to do this. You're a you are a person. I get that you got a daughter. You got all these things. We're going to make this work somehow. Here I hear your terms. Here are my terms. Accept them, and we'll be fine. And it's and that she's not a total shrew. That's yeah. the thing that I thought was most impressive because it very easily could have been she's this bitchy shrew and, you know, like he's this poor put-upon guy that has to deal with it. It's like every way that she acts really makes sense for someone who's been treated as she's been in the past. It's a thousand – it's like of course she's going to act like this. She's not going to trust him right away because she just had her heart ripped out. That's very realistic. And she's friends with the guy. And she's ashamed of the fact that she was married to him. So they're both really equally kind of flawed. Yeah, and it's – that's delightful to see. And this is my – this is my uh, – I'm usually on the, the guy side because a lot of the times – in romantic comedies, the plot machinations, there, there's some like big misunderstanding, and you, I'm like, all right, now the woman is being absurd. She is blowing things out of proportion. I feel like she never does because they go through such lengths to establish that she is very vulnerable. She is hurt. She is this literal goodbye. Like somebody has said goodbye to her on multiple occasions and just left a goddamn note, and that is that will wreck a person and you you understand that and i go you know what i get why you are upset about this when the, when the end comes when elliot gets a big movie role in seattle you're like uh, i was like uh, I, I was going no you can't leave like take her with you like, don't was, you know what she's been through i know it's like this is this is exactly the same thing but it works out and we'll, and, and, and we'll get to that and she has such great moments of tenderness mm-hmm. that are just, you do, you see why he falls in love with her and why at first when he's like, you know, not everybody's trying to sleep with you, lady. Like, you're not that great. Right. Which and it's is... like, how often do you really hear that? Where he's like, no, you're not really that hot, you know? Oh, so you. like, get over yourself. 
Seriously. I, I, you know, I've often wondered, why do, in a lot of romantic comedies, why do the people have to kind of just grate on each other's nerves? Did, like, when you met your husband, did you, like, just, like, be like, oh, this fucking guy, I can't, he's, he's seven years younger than me, and what the fuck does he know? Like, why am I doing this? Did you, did you like, why, why, why is it the best, the best relationships on screen are those forged in, like, like, kind of just like sniping at each other. Why is that? Do you know? I've always wondered this. Because it's so much more of a journey, I guess, than when it's like, hey, you know, you're extremely attractive. I really like you. Let's go out on a date. And then you have all the mushy stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's okay. That's what happens. And, and, and people meet, I guess people meet differently nowadays too. You don't just, you know, have a long pining crush because that's another one where they've been together forever and one of them's been in love for like years and years and years and years and you're like really like what what happened you know mm -hmm. yeah nowadays nowadays there'd be a there'd be a mix up with some airbnb nonsense and uh like i don't know or maybe there's a tinder it's you could you could but, update this but, but think about your life though but like in my life i remember one relationship I had, we met and I was, and especially if the people are not interested in each other, I corrected this person's Shakespeare and <laughs> I'm sorry. The person said that Ophelia was from Macbeth. Are you kidding me? All right. No. All right. I mean, all right. Fair enough. Uh, Just, all right. So yeah, I was a little bit like, actually Ophelia is clearly from Hamlet. And I was like, wow. And then it, kind of sparked romance my husband and i didn't really flirt when we first met we talked about like history and stuff like that and then eventually you were and you were friends with your wife yes. for a long time before that so it's not necessarily like hate but it's it's not always steamy romance right away either right. and i do i do like your point about it is a journey because now both characters they have to grow and they grow along the same in the same direction next to each other uh, and it makes it may, it, it makes more interesting. You're like, oh, what's that? What's that moment going to be, where they their the wall comes down for for Elliot? It's when the reviews come in and he's just broken and he and he gets which the, is which is which is some of the best physical oh, comedy good. I've seen. Oh, it's like Dreyfus really. Oh, he's great. He's falling on the he's falling on the couch. He's breaking he's breaking stuff. But then but then he has that he has that moment where he gets to he gets to do. Uh, act one scene, he, he gets to do the opening to Richard III the way he wants to, the way he practiced on the bus from Chicago. And you're like, and he's totally broken. You're like, oh, and you could see Marsha Mason being like, yeah, there is more, like this guy, there's more to him. And I. And she gives him what he needs. And I love that after the play, and his acting is well, so phenomenal. Because I was reading reviews and some people were like, oh, he's overacting in the scene where at the beginning and he's like, first of all, I like to sleep in the nude, a buffo. And he does the whole thing and he's pulling her underwear off the, um, it's also just so well directed, all of his stage business. And he's like, I don't like the underwear in the shower. And as he's saying, it, he's pulling off like, pew, 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 pew. And it's so perfectly timed. And it's like, bravo director, because that stage business it's like music and then but it would make sense because guess what there are people in the world who are over dramatic when they speak 
I have been told I am one of them, um, which I'm sure you're shocked. But I'm very expressive when I get like that, and I do get into little rants like that. But after the play, you get this moment, and they go backstage, and Richard Dreyfus just looks up, and he's totally broken. He does yeah. not say yeah. anything. He's not crying. He's not ranting. He's not anything. He just has that, like, my career is over. Everything that I've ever wanted is gone. Yeah. And she's trying so hard to be like, no, it was good. Yeah. You were really good. And she's trying to do that balance of, like, he totally knows that I'm lying and this was awful. But I really wanted it to work for him. And... <clears throat> Oh my gosh, that scene. And you see why they fall in love. It's not, sometimes in movies, the woman is such a shrew that you're like, why is this guy even putting up with this? I felt like that with like Notting Hill. I'm like, why does he still want to be with Julia Roberts at this point? Like she's such an unforgivable bitch in that movie that I'm like, why would he want to be with her? It's like, and maybe from a female perspective, I don't understand. Are there women that are that attractive that they literally can just shit all over a man and he will always find her just charming and beautiful and she can just re- like just repeatedly keep him like crap? I mean, I mean, oh. that's what that's what Hollywood has taught me. If she's hot, if she's hot enough, I'm like, all right, we'll put up with it. Do that. But with this, she doesn't. She has her moments and she'll lash out, but then she'll fall apart and then she'll be like, look, I'm sorry. You know, like when she gets robbed. Oh, yeah. But she gets robbed and she's mad at you for not coming to her rescue. And it's like, and at first you're like, what is her freaking problem? But it's like, literally, they took all of her money. She has absolutely nothing left. And she has a child she has to support and her age. And those are two, two other themes that this movie dealt with really well are aging and what you do for your art. Yeah, well, it, aging specifically from the female uh, point of view because she's she's thirty three, and which all right, you're thirty three was fine, but to be a dancer on Broadway, certainly in the seventies, you are basically at retirement age at that point. You know, you know, she she auditions. There's a, a choreographer friend of hers who's like, hey, says, hey. I thought you I thought you gave all this up. And she's like, Yeah, well, I'm back at it. And he goes, I would love to cast you, but they need to cast them younger. Sorry, you're like, ah. Oh. oh, younger? What? You need what? Just like tiny children who don't need anything, like who have no nothing? Like, oh my god, it's terrible. Cause she's 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 still a very good dancer, and it's just the system kind of is pushing her out and it's and it's and it's frustrating. Uh, on Shakespeare. You know what? I was watching this and going, it's a it's a weird, weird take on Richard the Third, but Elliot, he polishes it the best he possibly can. I thought, you know what? That is interesting. I would be curious to see something like that, only because Richard Dreyfus is so very good. And he 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 may he may hate it, but you know what? He is a consummate professional, and he commits to it. He's like, "All right, if I'm gonna do this fabulous, like quasi gay Richard, then let's do it." I mean, like mostly, like like very very gay Richard, but it's not like you know they, you know they scale it back from the super effeminate Richard the Third to only mostly <laughs> effeminate. It's I'm like I would I would do that. Do you know um? Richard III is one of the ones I, I'm not quite 
as familiar with as some of the other ones. Do you know why Simon would have chosen that to be the play that Elliot is in? Of all the plays, why is it Richard III? I don't know. And I was thinking about this, but I was thinking that having worked in theater as long as he had, you guarantee that he, that that director is based off. It had to have been based off someone that he actually worked with. Oh yeah. Who was just off the wall. Crazy. Yeah. Just, you know what I mean? I want to be like Neil Simon. Come on. (laughs) Who was it? Come on, tell me. Cause you know, and the guy who was the director was such a realistic character and just, how he was like so into it. I really, I cannot imagine why it was Richard the third, but the whole king who wants to be queen. Come on. That's pretty funny. Right. All right. It's some power is power Wait, be- and struggle. I was like, I'm trying, I'm trying to think of how it fits in with the, the themes of this particular movie. And I'm drawing a blank again, because I don't know Richard the third. But it well. is considered one of those roles that people really want to play. Yes, and I guess the second greatest old- role in the English language. Which I was like, who's the first? Hamlet? It's either it's, a, it's either Hamlet or probably Macbeth. Like Macbeth is a goofy role. Probably because you could really play Hamlet or Macbeth is gay. I don't know. I don't but know. I don't know. Well, either way, it was brilliant. And that director, I'm like, I want to know who that director was based on because it had to have been based on someone else. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that was Simon's work in the theater. It's undoubtedly. It's like the man. The man literally worked with everybody. Yeah. But it's it's funny. It's fast paced, back and forth, back and forth, banter, banter, banter. They hate each other. They they kind of thought cool. They kind of thought they cool. They thought they cool. Which is so realistic. Again, it is. It is. But but you know what? I I I got I got to admit the uh, over the overused cliche come up to the roof scene. Over you? No. Oh no. So no. I'm saying I'm saying that is an overused cliche in. A lot of movies mm-hmm. totally works here. Oh my god, Richard Dreyfus in that suit. Oh, he's looking good. He's looking good. He's got pizza. He's got candles. They get rained on. I'm like, this is that. Like, I like the rain. That's a nice little touch. That yeah, that's I've I have pulled romantic stunts like where the weather has become a major issue. I it be it was so romantic, but also in a believable way. You know, it wasn't too over the top none of this felt too over the top very grounded in reality and i had to had to appreciate it and it was also just a a fabulous scene between the two of them but the one thing that i also really like about it is that with marcia mason and richard dreyfus apart from being very talented they look like real people it's not like you have like Nicole Kidman trying to play like a down on your luck kind of a woman. You know what I mean? Like there's some people that just, you know, like Catherine Zeta Jones, she's not so stunningly beautiful that you'd be like, why would any of these men really leave her? She looks like a real person. And so does Richard Dreyfuss. So when the daughter makes the line about, he looks like an old dog that no one wants anymore. He's cute. It does. That applies to how Richard Dreyfuss looked in this movie. You know what I mean? It was like, yeah, he does. He looks kind of like a scruffy old dog. He's not this Brad Pitt in his prime. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But uh, I do have to agree with Lucy's friend. Was it um, whatever her name was? I can't remember what her name is. Yeah, Richard Dreyfuss has got charisma for days. Oh. Oh, my God. That man is charismatic as hell. I could watch watch him do anything. I'm like, fuck, he's. You forget, he Richard Dreyfus is really goddamn good at this. He's like, 
phenomenal actor. Which says a lot about him because he's not a traditionally handsome guy. But in this, he's very, very, oh, like I said, if I was in college and someone said, you're like a musical, people would hum your face. I'd be like, marry me now. Yeah, it's like, it's like, yeah, pretty much. I'd be like, done. Yes. Uh, it uh, the major conflict happens when they declare their love. Richard Dreyfus has moved in. They they're even um, redecorating. redecorating to get rid of to- all, all of Tony's stuff, her, her her previous boyfriend, all all of his stuff. Richard Dreyfus is earning money as a as an improv uh, actor, and I just had to be like, oh man, seventies were way different when you could just earn money. Uh, just acting and an improv trip that's that is hilarious you're 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 funny that, you're funny 70s you're just that, you're just great subletted in the apartment for three months for six hundred dollars oh my god good, good yeah that and that like and, and they had the they money was but he gets called up to the majors as it were from a director after one of his improv shows and he has to leave for seattle and it becomes this will he, won't he, will they stay together, won't they stay together thing. And it's some of them, it's just brilliant acting because Marsha Mason is like, yeah, you should go. You should go. I'm happy for her. I'm happy for her. And you can just Meanwhile, see, you can see her heart breaking. just breaking on there. Which, I mean, like, what, what? Like, it's only four weeks. I'm just like, I'll be, I'll be back. I'll be back. And you go, she doesn't she believe doesn't that. Believe it's and happened. So she's trying to be, so she's trying to be really, really strong and hold it all together. And she's like, oh, yeah, sure. And she's already like, he's never coming back. Yeah. And she, oh, yeah, sure, of course she'll come back. And you're like, no. Yeah. And that's where, and that's where the transformation you, uh, you, 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 uh, you alluded to really comes up. She says, like, I, one of us is walking out of that door, and I'm okay with that. And she, you're like, she's, she's been broken. She's built herself back up. And I was like, yeah, Marsha Mason, you, know, you do that. You, like, it's it sucks and on if the film had ended with him walking out and going to Seattle, it would have been like, that was a great movie. That was uh that was fun. I was like, uh ended on a little little of a down note. But then then afterwards, she gets the call from him. He's out in his spot on the uh on the, in the at the phone booth on the sidewalk, it's pouring rain. And honestly, this is one of the few times where someone has come out in the rain getting drenched declared their love and i and i thought yeah this that i believe that i feel that this is love happening right here and that's when this movie became like all right that was good too this movie is wonderful i wonderful i had a question here do they stay together after the credits because he gets in the he gets in the taxi he goes to the airport and he uh goes to seattle to film his movie and it feels like a silly question because you know what? They do. I oh, have absolutely. no doubt about that. I always wonder about characters after the after the movies. This one, this one, there. He comes back. He becomes a big star. They stay together through thick and thin because you know it doesn't it doesn't matter that he's he's leaving. He she just wanted him to ask her to go, and I. I get that. I I can I can understand that. It's not you know it's 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 more it's more important than than anything else to just be to be considered. Whether whether the answer will always be no, I can't I can't go with you because I got the kid and it's, it's all this and it's for however long. 
you just have to ask the person. And that is so sweet, a gesture that it becomes so powerful in this movie that I can't, I, I, I lost it. I was just like beaming. I was like, yes, yes, this makes and, me feel so good. But that it didn't end with her going with him. Right. Which a lesser writer would have done. It would have ended with all of her chasing into the, doing the airport thing. Right. She races to the airport with her daughter in the car and there's traffic and all craziness and the song like Ain't No Mountain High Enough is playing in the background right. and they're racing through the airport and she professes her love and like he finally tamed the shrew and they love each other and they all go off together. That that is very formulaic what would happen. Right. But this but this Neil one, Simon's better than that. He's so much Neil better than Simon that. Neil Simon elevates it. Because because Neil Simon knows it's he, you know, Simon knows that Elliot is the one who has to come back. Elliot is the one who has to, to, to make to make the effort. She has made all the effort. I mean, not to say he has not. Elliot has not mm -hmm. made. Elliot has made effort. Elliot has has done things. But in this in this situation, it is on Elliot to ask her, and it is for her to say no. But that is not a bad thing. She will be here. He will come back. They will be happy forevermore. I they are they have such amazing chemistry together in this yes. movie that you you can't deny that. Like, yeah, of course they're gonna be. They're gonna they're gonna be they're gonna be happy. They're gonna they're gonna go through ups and downs. They got they got they got more of the apartment to uh, to to redecorate. Didn't didn't you need to get a sofa or a chair or a love seat something or other? And he needs to he needs to earn the money to do that. I it's. It's wonderful and remarkable, and this is what a romantic comedy is supposed to do. I see, I've, I've alluded to this before, I see a lot of Hallmark movies, and they are dumb and terrible, and they're on in the background, and I just know what's going to happen from the first five minutes. And that's that's fine and formulaic if, if you want that, but it's nice to see something like this really challenge you, to really uh, make you remember that, you know, love is... Love is messy and not in a contrived plot sort of way. It's in like there are hopes and dreams, there are wants from that everybody has, responsibilities they have to deal with, and yet still these characters are going to make it work. Lucy has to, uh, Paula has to deal with her daughter Lucy. Elliot has to deal with his career, and they have to like find a way to fit themselves into each other's lives, and they do. Without with with neither of them having to change themselves specifically for the other person, they change they change with each other. And I you should people say change is bad in a relationship, and I think that is a load of crap. You like you should change. You should I you should not be if I were the same person now as I was when I started dating my wife, we should not be married at all. Is would be. Like I was, it was a terrible schmuck and it was awful in my twenties. But you change, not for them, but because you should change for the better. Because not because they want to, but because you you want to change for them. And it's kind of like another romantic comedy that I love, as good as it gets. You make me want to be a better man. That's yeah. another one of the most romantic lines ever in. But I love these stories about these kind of broken, imperfect people who are vulnerable, who kind of come together yeah, and have those messy things. That to me, that that's an Amy Thompson movie. Like I love it. And 
that it's not she's this broken woman, the shrew, and he's the handsome, strong man who makes her how she needs to be, who rescues her, that she kind of rescues him too when he's broken. And that's really cool. And you see it. And it's not like in freaking Pretty Woman where at the end she goes, oh, he's, you know, she saves him right back. Yeah, that's a cute line. But in this, you see her reach out to him and you see her like leaning over to him when he's broken. And she's like, and he does the Richard Third, and she's just like, that was really good. And, yeah. and, that, and that's what, and that's, that's what he needs. He, she knows what, 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 he, what he needs. What he, and he but knows. He, she tolerates it because he's awful. He's I mean, awful. kind of awful. But, she, but, but, she, you, but get it, you get it. But you could see her being like, you're so disgusting. Just get out. Right. But, but she gives him what he needs. And the other scene we have to discuss is the scene with Elliot and the little girl in the carriage. Oh. God, yes. Uh, I love this scene. Elliot's put he's putting on the charm, but he also knows that this is the this this is the interview that counts. This is absolutely he's so uh, she's not buying his bullshit. She's no. ten and she's seen it all and she's like, dude. But she's still acting like a ten year old. As precocious as she is, she's still acting like a child. When she turns around and it's like she's kind of crying. And she's trying not to cry, and she just doesn't want to look at him. I'm, I'm getting all like emotional, but it's so, so real, and how he's trying to get her attention. Yeah, and that, and, you know? and, and that's a, and, and that's a scene I think that tells me that this guy should be with this woman because he's he's trying, he's making the effort to connect with the most important thing in this woman's life, and that is that is Lucy. And they already have they already have a great relationship, but they're on they're on rocky. On rocky ground at at this point because of any number of things. It's and it's great to see that. And it's great to see them behaving like they would. He's trying to trying to talk her up, but also remember that she's vulnerable. She's a child, and she's trying to she's trying to act strong. But she's still only ten. And it's 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 a great scene because um, Quinn Cummings is every bit the equal to Richard Dreyfus in it. Like the power dynamic is. Absolutely, same. if she might, she has she has more power because it's 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 if she doesn't uh, if she doesn't approve of this, it's going to be a long relationship because mm-hmm. like Paula is never going to pick Elliot over Lucy ever because that's just not how it works. And it's and it's 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 a great scene. It's a great scene. And that she, for such a young actress, to understand like you're a complicated 10 year old and your mom's had a lot of bad relationship. You know what I mean? To understand that she's tired, that as much as her mother's been through the, the hoops, she's been through the ringer with her mom and she's kind of had to put her mother back together. Yeah. And that's, that's, and that's, and she has that. And, and as a child to have that world weariness and still be like a 10 year old's child is really an amazing performance. Yeah, it's great. It's it's great. Uh, Quinn Cummings didn't she did a few did a few things after this, but she's now uh, I believe a entrepreneur and writer. Uh, you can find uh, some of her stuff online. So we are, we come now to the uh, to the end of it. Did the Goodbye Girl deserve to win Best Picture at the fiftieth annual Academy Awards? No, and it's it's tough to say. But I'm very familiar with the other movies that came out that year. I don't think it was the best picture. Annie Hall was much more groundbreaking with all the different things that it did. And Star Wars, obviously, 
However, like I said, I could see this very, this is very much going to become one of my favorite movies. Like I'm totally going to watch it again. I'm going to make everybody else watch it too. And be like, isn't that the best? Isn't that just the greatest thing you've ever seen? Because it is. And it, and it, I love Annie Hall a lot, but it's not, but out of all the Woody Allen movies, it doesn't affect me emotionally. I feel like this movie really affected me emotionally in a way that Annie Hall doesn't. Okay. I would, I would have to agree with you on there. Goodbye girl. Great movie. You should go watch it. There's a reason to earn the first romantic comedy to earn over a hundred million dollars at the box office. Annie Hall is uh, all time. Star Wars is all time. Goodbye girl. Solid number three choice. You can't go wrong with, if you pick either one, either of those three movies. Sure. Turning Point. Eh. Who remembers? Julia. Eh. Who remembers? Fine. Sure. Whatever. This is this is number three all the way. I will say this, and I'm gonna I'm gonna fire some shots. This is my favorite apartment centric romantic comedy that we have talked about on the show. And I I probably agree. It's it's not. It, it's funny because. I wouldn't vote for a Best Picture, but there's really no reason why I wouldn't. It was just because of the other movies that were out that year. You yeah. know what I which mean? Is, it, which is exactly the way it should be. It, it's so well written, and it just it really emotionally affected me in a wonderful way. And you forget how great it is. Like I said, I've, I have seen it before, but just watching it again, I was like, Ugh. yeah, it gets me right in, right in the feels. Right. And I love these kinds of movies are the best movies because they're they're surprising. Yeah, the, and when people talk about like Fifty Shades of Grey and Twilight and movie in the Notebook, Nicholas Sparks stuff, this is one of the most. I would say there were some of the most romantic things I've ever seen were in this movie. When they were up on that roof and he's saying that, I'm like, if only a guy who was interested in me had taken notes on this movie, bam, I would have been like, I'm yours. Here we go. When are we? When are we getting married? Instead, here we are, talking about the movie on the Oscar Watch Podcast, and we want to thank you so much for listening in. If you have enjoyed this episode and want to write in with thoughts of your own, please write us at oscarwatchpodcast at gmail.com. We love hearing you, and be sure to find us on social media at oscarwatchpod. Next week on the podcast, we go back a few years to yet another tour de force bravura performance, this time from the one, the only, Jack Nicholson with the uh, for your reconsideration five easy pieces uh, I'm still looking forward to talking about that movie so much you too. Uh, so listen in find us, follow us can't wait and until next time we'll see you on the red carpet Ebola. let us snipe from Angola Shut me down, but I for all hell kiss. Maybe a French one. I'd be your jukebox to the dawn, Elizabeth. I'd give you three plays for a quarter. Now, America, all you have to do is, is, is turn me on. I'm, I'm like, you know, like sort of short order Cole Porter.